Welcome to the Propelling Point Podcast. Yes, try to say that three times. I'm Dr. Sharon Kelly, otherwise known as Dr. K. So why do I have this podcast? Because I want to help as many people as possible overcome the fear of how to. Yep, I said it, how to. So often when we don't know how to do something, we get stuck in a place of fear so we don't do anything. So what's the best way to overcome that fear? Is to talk about it. And that's what I'm going to be doing. We are always told what to do. We're always told what needs to be done. But rarely does anyone take the moment to tell us how to do it. So in other words, we get stuck in the how-to. So I'm going to be focusing on bringing insight on how to accomplish the how-to. How to accomplish your goals in life, in faith, and in business. I want to focus on the greater things in you by providing you three crucial points. I call those the propelling points. You're going to deal with you as a person. We're going to deal with you being a pioneer. And we're going to deal with processes. I'm looking forward to it. Please realize that when I say overcoming the fear of how to, you may be thinking, I don't have a fear. Yes, you do. When we don't know how to do something, even if you find out later how to do it, we often get stuck. So I'm going to talk about things in life and in business. Sometimes things that people rarely talk about. But I want to focus on how to overcome the fear of how to. So I'm going to ask you to make sure that you subscribe, share, like, and guess what? I also need you to comment. Give me some comment and feedback after every episode so that I can make this even better so that I know how to do it. So let's get it started. Well, good evening, good evening, good evening, and welcome to the Propelling Point podcast. I'm saying good evening, whatever time of day it is for which you're listening it, listening to it. I want to say welcome. You know that I really enjoy information and the how-to. The whole purpose of Propelling Point is because some people want to know how they get stuck because they don't know. But now I get to share with you different people that I bring to this platform who wants to give the information that you need to become the better you. And it Again, I always say it's a pleasure and I always say it's a pleasure to have certain people because it is a pleasure. It's an honor to bring people uh, to bring before you people with knowledge, with understanding, but most of all, to help you overcome the how to. So today's episode, I have Dr. Cheney Fabius with us today. Did I get it right, Doc? You got it right. Yes, I got her with us today. Thank you for having me. I'm I'm telling you, you are in a place where um, it's real talk and how to. And so as today, we're going to talk about how to overcome. Again, it's always about how to overcome. So I want to specifically talk about how to overcome uh, gracefully especially uh, people of color. And if you would, would you just tell the audience a little bit about your background and why I'm so excited to have you so we can have some education and real talk all in one? Yeah, sure. Thank you uh, for for inviting me and for having me on. This is exciting. Um, My name is Chaney Fabius. I am an assistant professor at Johns Hopkins University in the Bloomberg School of Public Health. I am in the Department of Health Policy and Management, and my work focuses on understanding and addressing racial 
and socioeconomic disparities um, experienced by older people, their family caregivers, as well as the direct care workforce, what we call those the paid caregivers that provide care for people in the community. I'm from Connecticut. I uh, got my start, well, my research trajectory really started as um, a caregiver for my grandparents, um, really my grandfather and my mother um, after college. And, you know, just watching my father be the primary caregiver for my my grandfather and then helping my dad with my mom um, really showed me how much I enjoyed serving older people and working with people with disabilities, but then also to well, how do you make a career out of that? And so I uh, enjoyed working with older people so much that I became a care manager in Connecticut. Um, and so with a care manager, I would, as a care manager, I'd go into people's homes, I would assess their living environments, their family structure, their physical and functional needs, and I would create care plans for them to receive home care services um, in order to delay or prevent nursing home admission, which, you know, a lot of folks don't like going, don't even want to think about they don't even want, they don't the word. Exactly. And so, yeah. So the goal was to keep them out. And then on the other side of things, I helped with a program in Connecticut to help people um, get out of nursing homes and come home and receive home care. Uh, but while I was there, you know, I noticed like just disparities or differences, we'll say racial differences and preferences for care, what people could afford, uh, who people wanted coming in their house to help them. And I too love information. And so I decided to go back to school and I uh, got my PhD in human development and family studies at the University of Connecticut. Um, but that's really where I started down this public health trajectory. I did a lot of work with our state home care program. The, the program that I had been a care manager in, I now was doing research for and looking at some of these racial differences and experiences in home care, in our home care program. Um, after I graduated, graduated, excuse me, from UConn, I did a two-year postdoctoral fellowship at Brown University in Providence, Rhode Island. And then I went on the job market and here I am in Baltimore, Maryland, <laughs> as an assistant <laughs> professor at Johns Hopkins. But here I do a lot of work with large data sets that um, look at disparities um, in older adults and people receiving home care services. And I also do a lot of work uh, with home care agencies in the state of Maryland, doing interviews and surveys about their experiences working with older people, um, their experiences with COVID, um, how they support their direct care workers that are providing services for, for older people. You know, I, um, yeah, first of all, thank you for the time and the commitment that you've given to your education that now you can give back to the community. So I tell you, the first thing that jumped out at me is um, in your research and even let's go back to what you saw with your grandfather. Mm -hmm. What was that, you know, that really pulled you or what pieces right even now inspire you to say, hey, there's more that needs to be done. Would you talk to us about, you know, how can we really identify um, when it comes to our loved one, what to look for in the future? Like you talked about the home care. And yeah. I know in our, if we're in a community where I, I wouldn't say just within um, the African-American community, but I would say across the board, but you said it well, um, there are some 
um, groups of people where they believe in keeping family home. Some people just can't because they need to work. Right. So as we talk about how to grow, um, you know, grow, I mean, how to age well and gracefully, what would you say were some of the things that you need to look for as a caretaker yeah. that are something that you want to make sure that you're not in that situation in the future? Yeah, what, no, from your research and your own experience, what would you say? That's a good question. It's a loaded question too, because there's there there are a lot of things. So with my grandfather, my grandfather had dementia, and so uh -huh. um, yeah, for the and he he lived with it. I want to say for about eight or so years. Um, and so when he first started having uh, symptoms, we were close enough to him. We lived up the street from him that we could notice that something was just off. Um, where he would go to the store, he would drive himself to the store, he would lose his car and his car would be right in front of him and he'd call the police or he'd be looking for his keys or he, and then he started wandering. And so you could see the transition. Um, and my father wanted to keep him home for as long as possible because my grandmother, his mother had been in a nursing home and they didn't want to deal with that again. And, um, so that's, that's how he got involved in the home care services. And so he had home care services for a little while, but his dementia progressed to the point that he just could not stay home by himself. And that's, that's when we made the decision or my dad made the decision to have him be admitted to a nursing home. But it was at the last, it just was not safe for him to be home anymore by himself. And there are a few things I would say to caregivers um, who are, um, either looking at or seeing or just being around people um, who are aging and the things challenges that you see may not come through as for example memory loss memory loss as you grow older assert to a certain extent is normal because that just that's just part of aging is that some we our memory is not as quick as it used to be um, but things like what my grandfather was doing calling the police because he lost his car wandering those sort of things are, are things that people um, that are not normal and that need to, to have, you know, more professional or medical advice or um, opinions um, on. The, the challenge is that you also have to respect the independence and autonomy of the person that is growing old. Because my grandfather used, he used to know that, you know, something is not right. He was aware in the beginning, like something is off. I don't remember like I used to, but don't say he has dementia, right? There's the, no, 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 that's old people. It's old people. Don't he use those words. At the yeah. time. Oh, wow. <laughs> and I was going to ask the age. So 85. Okay. He was, you know, he was older. He he died at 92. Mm -hmm. So he probably, I want to say he had dementia at least for eight years before then. And, you know, it may have been little things even leading up to that, that we did not notice that he was able to conceal. But, you know, um, I just remember being in high school and my, my father saying, Pastor, come stay with us for a few days because he noticed that he was kind of off. But yeah, no, the challenge also too with being a caregiver is that there are so many resources that it's overwhelming. And what I find a lot of times is that people don't know where to go for help. That's the how-to we need to address then. Yeah, as so, soon as you said that the amount of resources, many people don't, and now with COVID, Yep. And they, uh, you know, what a lot of families experience when we had to do the whole lockdown really opened the eyes of 
my gosh, what do I do? So yeah. even if you can tap into that, how to, how do you identify the resource that you yourself may need? Cause some people, you know, right. they know that something's not right. Yeah. Um, and then for those who don't have, you know, close family members around yeah. and then those who are experiencing it as a caregiver, yeah, yeah. If you could talk to some of that. That's good. Yeah. And you know, I would be, I would encourage people both care, what we call care recipients or older adults, as well as people who are caregivers to be open to the idea of receiving help. Because um, that way we can have earlier conversations about what that might look like. If we know we don't want to put mom or dad in the nursing home, okay, but I can't do this by myself. So, and we don't, you know, you can't predict the future. You can't say what somebody will need in the community, but at least being aware of sort of the things that are in the immediate community. So for example, um, if your older loved one is Medicaid eligible, there are services that you can apply for through whatever state department of health you live under the state that you live in. Okay. You apply through services, apply for services. Um, and those services might include adult day centers. They may include Meals on Wheels. They might include um, a homemaker to come in and just help clean up a little bit. They may include somebody to help with bathing and dressing. Mm -hmm. But there are um, resources that you could probably go. Most states have, uh, you know, a state Department of Health website or Department of Aging where you can go and find more information um, in that way. The other thing is if the person is not Medicaid eligible, that's still someplace that you would go to find services because oftentimes you can either obtain services on a sliding scale, depending mm -hmm. on you know how you wanna be able to finance them, or they may have services that are, um, that are not quite as intense that you, you know, the service that you would get if you were on Medicaid, but you'll still be able to get something. Like something. you may be able to get a couple of meals a week through Meals on Wheels or home delivered meals or something like that. The other thing that I would encourage caregivers to do is look for caregiver support programs, which also probably could be found um, online or through your states um, or local um, government websites. And these are services that might include respite care. So somebody to actually come and, and help in the house. Um, could also include support groups, could include counseling, could include some sort of caregiver training. Um, and these are all part of a national effort called the National um, Family Caregiver Support Program. Would you repeat it once again? Yep, it's called the National Family Caregiver Support Program. And so this was developed, I think back in the eighties, but it, it um, provides states with money to fund these various um, caregiver support programs. If you are taking care of someone with dementia, tap into your local Alzheimer's association. They will, they more than, more often than not will have some sort of caregiver support group training, respite services that you could get, that you can obtain for the person that you're taking care of. But this is just information people just have no idea. And that, that that's like the tip of the iceberg. The how to. That I'm and it's different, it's different it. wherever you live. It's always different depending on your state or region in the state. So there is variation. So, um, but that's like the tip of the iceberg just to give people a sense of where, where these services start. might be be yeah. located or to find more information. Yeah. And and what I mean, what you just talked about, that's why I really wanted to just 
glean more from you about resources because most people get stuck. Again, this is why I have this podcast. Most people get stuck and they're frustrated. They, I mean, it's just like, you've got to be kidding me. I have nowhere to go, but they just yeah. don't know that it's out there, but they don't know how to get there. So I uh, just, that's why I was asking you again. So, you know, just something like Googling yep. um, is a powerful thing. Right. And then, like you said, it's, it's a state or even, um, the county uh, specific, yep, yep. right? It may just county or town, yeah. A county or town. So let's talk a little bit more because when we think of age, and if you can help kind of dispel some of the, the belief that age starts at 70, um, you know, some of the things that you've seen maybe from research, now your grandfather, you said was 85, but some people were finding that they're, they're dealing with age um, issues uh, health issues pertaining to age a little earlier now, oh, yeah. as opposed to what we used to think, you know, 70s, 80s. So can you talk to us about that? Like, you know, what we need to start looking for now to identify a, a better health with this aging and, you know, even something as simple as I've learned from my own experience, many people don't believe in even having someone identified as a caregiver because right. in their mind, they're never going to need one. Yeah. Um, and so then you got someone that's sitting out there like, well, I don't know how to do it. Well, yep. if you've had certain conversations beforehand, yeah. uh, beforehand, I think it goes a long way. Yeah. <clears throat> you can talk to us now because this, you know, how to age gracefully isn't just about when I hit my 70s, my 80s, oh, my no. 90s. If you can talk to us, especially within um, within our demographics, within our, within our culture, especially the black community, I'll just put it just yeah. like that. <laughs> How do we, what should yeah. we look for now? Um, genetics or whatever, you know, you kind of tell me, this is this is your belly wax. If you could tell us what to look for that we can now start identifying and what we should, should do to make our aging process better. Yeah. Um, so the first thing about aging is that aging is really a lifelong process. Isn't and, it the truth? <laughs> and from the moment you're born, you're aging. And so I often try to, and I teach, I used to teach undergrads, undergraduate students, and now I teach graduate students, but I always try to put it in the context for them because especially for the undergrads, you know, they just got out of high school. And so me teaching about gerontology and aging, some, there was just a disconnect unless right. we were talking about their grandparents or somebody else. But really aging is a lifelong process and everything that you um, experience, you kind of see the, the accumulation of that as you get older. And so there are things that we can control and things that we cannot. Mm -hmm. And so your genetics, for example, you can't control your genetics. You know, the, the things that you're born with, the, th the, the pieces of you that your parents gave to you, mm -hmm. you cannot control. And those are important to how we age but our lifestyle, the decisions we make, the, the food we eat, the things we smoke, drink, the physical activity and environment are all very, those are very, very important. Mm -hmm. because, because especially for the, the behavioral things, we have a lot of control over that. The environment um, is harder sometimes because then we get into issues of structural racism and, right. and all of those sort of things right. where you have groups of people who are living and you know areas with high pollution, but also that are low on resources, et cetera, et cetera. So those are harder to control, but we control we can control a lot to an extent. You know what we put in our mouths, what we 
what we eat, what we drink, those things, um, and what, you know, the physical, the amount of physical activity we have. So those sort of things really sort of play a role in how we physically um, and mentally age. Um, to your point, what I would say is that part of um, what I think people miss or the opportunities we miss is to have conversations early about what we want our aging process to look like because it's just not normal it's like you right know, when it gets here we'll figure it out we'll, we'll figure and, it out then right right so you know for my for the millennials a lot of it is about finances right so getting our retirement now there's a lot of talk about you know we're seeing the the ramifications of student loans so we're pressed for retirement funds and figuring out okay what is we don't want to work forever and the way that our 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 social security system is set up we may or may not have it. Yes, may or may not have that. Right. So what strategies do we have? But it's the same with aging. So for example, you want to have conversations about advanced directives and who who is your caregiver in the event that you can't um, speak or or express yourself in a way that you know makes sense to people or that you are um, unconscious and unable to communicate. Who's making the decisions on your behalf? And people, we oftentimes don't think about those things until the moment is there. But though there, there are things we could put together early on. You can put together an advanced directive. You can put together power, or you can say who you want your power of attorney to be. Um, that person is not necessarily making decisions for you while you're well, but when and if the the, the situation, situation arises, never happens. Then, yes. Then you have that all straightened out. Get and you know we've heard this now. We see our celebrities die and get your wills in order, no matter your age. Oh my, that is so. I just gotta jump in right there again. Mm. Get that your wills piece, in order. Yes, and 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 I even want to touch on how you said like for the millennial, but even my I'm Generation X. Uh, I think yes, the one just before yours. I think is Generation <laughs> X. Um, I, I also find that sometimes we focus so much on the finance that we don't focus on the health. Yeah. Uh, because that hustle, you know, is that you got to grind, you got to grind. But but what's happening to us, uh, not just psychological, uh, not just psychologically, but um, uh, physiologically, what is really happening yep. to us with the grind, the grind, the grind? And as you said, now once we're what we would consider older, which I don't know what older is identified now, because you know the closer you get yeah. to your number of older, the yeah, number you're not old. Back. <laughs> the number pushes back, right? Yeah. So I mean, like you talked about the directives, and and when I heard that some celebrities, without calling names, um, didn't have anything in place, didn't have anything more than one, and yeah. I'm thinking. And and so these were people who had some medical concerns too. They they really had some some things that they needed to consider, uh, yeah. just because of their medical condition. And so, yeah. I guess uh, to that, I wanted to say, um, as you're talking about those things, I I really want people not to miss what you're saying when it comes to our health. Some things we can control, some things we can't. And there are some things that, you know, you have, it's, it's just blanketed with policies uh, and politics that's not yeah. broad enough to include to be um, inclusive for everyone to prepare right. for the future right. so uh, i did have one question this is just a personal question but i'm going to ask because i think somebody else wants to hear this too <laughs> what i mean how important is our genetics 
to how well we age. Is is that a farce to believe that it is mainly genetics or what, what, what do you believe? Well, you know, genetics are important because they subject us to certain, um, say for example, cancer. We know that cancer can be something that certain cancers may um, run in families or, you know, if somebody, you have enough family members with cancer, then they start thinking about, okay, maybe we should test you earlier for certain types of cancer. So to that extent, yes. Um, but like I said, even with the genetics, there are, we can't do anything about those. <laughs> and so, you know, without some sort of gene therapy, um, it can, it can get really easy to get caught up in, you know, my genetics, my makeup and my parents had this and, you know, all of those things and sort of drive ourselves into a ditch without doing what we can ourselves, which is diet, exercise. And I, those are things that people will beat home until, but they're the things that we can control. And so mm -hmm. if you, for example, my, you know, I had a parent, I have a parent and had um, uh, grandparents with diabetes. And so I'm maybe predisposed to diabetes. Mm -hmm. Now, if I eat McDonald's every All day, the time. <laughs> then I'm probably gonna end up with diabetes. <laughs> I might catch it earlier than I would have had I, but you know, those are the sort of things that, I mean, we just have to, the genetics are really there to make us aware. And okay, I like that. It's there and, to make us you know, aware when I was pregnant with my children and we did all of our genetic testing, there were things that there may have been one thing that came back and they said, well, this is just to make us aware. So we know that if something down the road happens, um, we know where to trace it back to. But in terms of the way that it, it, it you, your genetics are, you're not experiencing something that's inevitable as a result of your genetics in many cases. You know, there are a select number of diseases that are tied to the genetics, but for the large majority of folks, that's not the case. Mm. So, and again, I'm asking that because so often we, we put everything on, um, it's genetics, it's genetics. Well, like you said, there may be an opening and actually that gives an open for those they may be listening every time you go to the doctor and you're like offended that they ask you about your family line. There's a, yeah, your family history. There's a reason, right? Mm -hmm. There's a reason to get ahead of it. That's, I love what you just said. I'm going to make that the quote for this, for this podcast <clears throat> that uh, your genetics just makes you aware. Mm -hmm. So that, that right there, I think is very important. And I, and I hope that there's a takeaway for those who are listening, you know, get involved. Aging is going to happen from birth. It happens yep. from birth. And even though we say that, I don't think people really appreciate what it means to go through the aging process. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, and just not like medically, like you're telling us, but the, the health care system and the home health care and the resources that you were talking about, these these things are all a part of the aging process that we right. have to learn how to, you know, how to get there. And, and if you're a listener right now and you're thinking, well, I'm only 23 years old, I don't have to be concerned. But for some people, your aging process may come before 70. You may start feeling the impact of things happening to your body right. at a younger age, only because of, like you were saying, how you're living. Yeah. You're and, living. you know, as we grow older, we start to see the how different 
um, aging processes, just for lack of better words, that impact term, mm -hmm. our peers, right? Mm -hmm. So at 20, 21, we all pretty much look the same. You know, we we may still have our high school bodies. We may not. We may uh, you know, still be able to. We talk about 20. Okay. Be, yeah. No, those are long gone now. But at 20, um, we may still have our high school bodies. We may still be able to, you know, hang out. We don't see the rim, the 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 ramifications of of aging or um, things that we have been doing. And I'm not just talking about drinking and smoking. It's just you know, wear and tear on your body, right? And it's that, not- That grind, that grind, yes. like I was saying earlier. So stress, stress right. plays a part, right? Is that sleep, correct? Okay. All of that stuff. And so, and it's funny, my father now is 71 and he's still relatively healthy. You know, he may have a, a couple of things here and there, but he's still relatively healthy, but you can see how different people have aged around him. And- you know, how many funerals he goes to of peers, people he went to high school with, or, you know, folks that are sick. And it's not to, you know, say that these things are their fault, but we can see that the wear and tear and, and just the way that people age differently um, really starts to show up as we grow older. So regardless of what your story will be, it's important that you take care of yourself so that your quality of life is as good as it can be for as long as you're supposed to be here. So I'm going to ask, is there anything that um, in the midst of your, you know, what you do, I call it a profession, but I really think it's a passion for you, especially you told us why you got involved in it. I mean, it was really something more personal than professional. What have you seen um, in your studies, especially looking at the disparities between uh, racial group, what have you seen that's been most enlightening and, and a little disheartening, I guess, yeah. um, in how we handle the process, the aging processes, and, and just aging period, and how we take care of those um, as they age. Yeah. What would you say is the most, you know, what have you seen that really, like, not only have you scratching your hair like, what? But really make you wonder, how can a country, how can a body of people, groups mm -hmm. of people, just discount all the wisdom of our of our ancestors? Yeah. You know? so. Well, this there are two sort of main things. And the first is really that for many outcomes is what we were interested in in research, whether it be a um, uh, outcome of function, like a fall or hospitalization or using services. There are often so many, I'm surprised when I don't see a, a race difference, honestly. I'm surprised when I don't see a disparity in whether it be service utilization or if it's flipped. If you see like white folks falling more often than, than like anything that's, it's so pervasive, these the disparities that exist and things that you wouldn't even imagine. I could just start listing them wow, off. And it's just, wow. it's really um, disheartening. Um, but the interesting thing is that you know, when we look at people, and this is some research that I've done, but also I have to say that a long line of Black researchers have also looked at the at caregiving and how we provide care for our older adults. And when you compare um, Black folks, Hispanic folks to um, their white counterparts, we have more positive feelings that are associated with caregiving we feel better about it. We, we, we're supposed to do it. It's our honor to do it. Oh, okay. um, these are words that I've heard oh, wow. people say, you know, this, it's, this is my mother. She took care of me. I'm going to take care of her. 
Right. Um, we have better feelings about caregiving, but we're caring for people who are sicker. We're caring for people who are poor. We're caring for people who have um, more often or more likely to have dementia. So we're caring for, for folks who um, overall, their quality of life, their health-related quality of life is poorer than white, than white people. But we um, have better experiences. And the reason that, that um, it, I feel two ways about it. I mm -hmm. feel good that we, you know, we know how to make lemonades out of lemonade out of lemons, lemons. right? Mm -hmm. But I also um, have it kind of bothers me for the po the policy implication reasons because feeling good about something does not remove the disparity that exists, <laughs> right? And so when the argument is presented back, like, and we're also providing more care, so we're providing like forty or more hours of care sometimes a week. That's a full time job. And so when you uh, think about the impact that that has on people's ability to work for them, like work and make money, uh -huh. support their own families and do all these things. And then you look at the, this, what we call counterintuitive findings that black um, caregivers have more positive feelings about caregiving. They have less emotional um, difficulty with caregiving. Um, to me, I'm, I say that's nice, but we still need to change policy and consider uh, the impact that it has on racial and ethnic minorities. Yeah, the, the feelings to me are are great, but from a policy <laughs> and 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 financial and socioeconomic and justice standpoint, they they don't go they don't they don't do anything. They don't go too far. And so that's that. Those are the two things that that um, are sort of really interesting to me. Um, when we think about you know disparities in home care, it's just that they are so pervasive. It's it's wow. it's it really is sad. Um, where even even when you have no disparities in whether people use services, mm -hmm. you see a disparity in how much people are, are allowed to have. So for example, oh. mm -hmm. for example, home health care. There was a study that was done that found no difference in no race differences, black and white, no race differences in people using services. But when they looked at the amount of care people were receiving, black people were receiving fewer services, fewer services. for less amount of time. Uh, What's that about? We know they're sicker. We know that. Wow, that's what is that about? That's interesting. And these are Medicare beneficiaries, so they're not coming out of pocket for it. Right. So there's there, that's the stuff that disturbs me. Wow. Yeah, I'm kind of I'm kind of stuck right there myself because if it's supposed to be. Uh, mm -hmm. uniform across the board. There's something, there's some policy, some regulation yeah. or the administration of it, the administration of the right. policy that's preventing people who are sicker, yeah. you know, those who really need it, uh, need more to get exactly what they need. That's, that's very Yeah, most, I mean, those are the hard things to do research on because you're asking people about their bias and, um, you know, that those are things that folks are interested in knowing. I will say that, you know, um, program administrators are interested in knowing about, knowing about that stuff, but it's also really hard from a programmatic standpoint to make decisions about what do you, like, what do you do about that? And then what do you do now that you know what's, what what's the solution? About, you know, right, that, that yeah. hidden bias that people have. That we all just, have. <laughs> yeah, that we all have, right. What yeah. do you do about it? And so right. that, that makes it very challenging work, but also very rewarding and yeah. 
See, and I'm one of these people don't ask, you know, I'm always asking uh, again, how to, how do you get there? Because I don't want to be stuck in any, any ways of just not knowing. And I, and I wanted you on uh, the platform because, you know, the title of this, uh, and it may change because I love what you brought, but the title of it right now, if you're listening, you probably clicked on where it says how to, how to age gracefully. But I, I want you all to understand, um, what Dr. Fabius brought to us wasn't just about aging through genes, but it, you know, what does that process look like getting to that point? And you know, you got to start looking now. So when we start talking about a caregiver, if you have not selected a caregiver, you need to do it. And you got to see what resources may be available. So I would say make that, it shouldn't just be um, auntie them because they're close to you. You know, it should be someone who really um, can bear the burdens because as you just really opened my eyes to, and I believe some of the other listeners, it may be there, but that don't mean you're going to get your portion of what's yeah. there. You may not get your full portion. And so mm -hmm. um, get those things in place and we have got to do better. A part of the process is doing better. You know, now that you know those that, you know, you're listening and I'm going to ask you to continue to share this podcast because information is powerful. Right now there's, there's somebody sitting um, and they're wondering, well, how do I take care of you know, my, my loved one, but I don't even know where to start, you know, dementia uh, and so many other things that are just tied to, you can see the decline. And so don't run out of fear because what happens to people get so fearful of what they see happening that they get stuck and not yeah. doing anything. So let's hide, let's, let's make it a secret that that, you know, auntie such and such or uncle, you know, uncle such and such. He's, you know, like you gave some of the little nuggets about your grandfather. You see it, but then some people are like, well, I don't know how to handle it. So let's not talk about it. Right. So then it becomes the family secret. Yeah. And family secrets right now, um, and especially as you just shared with us again, how I love how you said that, that genetics makes us aware. <clears throat> These family secrets as it pertains to our health, especially our health. Yeah. Um, it, it can play a huge role in the future of what your aging process looks like. Yeah. You know, if you don't know who's doing what and you don't, you know, it's always been a secret and, and yeah. um, you know, auntie such and such, we always knew that she had some mental issues, but no one wanted to talk about it. Well, you might need to find out what those issues were. I was going to say, write it down. If you don't yeah. want to talk about it, let because when my mother passed away, I found medication. I was like, what the heck is this for? Like stuff I just had no idea. And I was young, so I get it. There were yeah. things that, you know, I was shielded from. But you don't want to be in a position where the you go to the doctor and they're asking your family history and you, you're you answering from ignorance. Right. Because you just have right. no idea. So even if as the person who is, um, who has the, chronic illness or health condition or whatever it is, if you don't want to have that conversation right now, I would at least advise you to write it down and put it someplace where somebody can find it. Because otherwise, I like we, that. we just don't know. We don't. We have no idea. But I really do encourage people to have um, conversations um, because there's no harm in knowing, in knowing um, this information. Um, it just helps your family be prepared. 
And, and I think some of it, you know, that's a whole nother podcast, but some mm-hmm. of it is how do you deal with those family secrets to get, you know, what you need? Because yep. again, let's hide that, that she's been dealing with diabetes this whole time because we don't want anybody to know. That. Well, you, somebody needs, again, this is impacting our next generation. It's impacting your ability yep. to age where someone is going to understand what it looks like. Yeah. Um, you know, why are you going through what you what you're going through? Why you know why does your aging process look so much different than than yeah. grandma's did? Well, no one realized that your father um, may have brought another part of his gene pool to it, that, so it does look different. And so, um, I, I I love what you've added. Well, anyway, this is the part of the podcast that I mean, you've given so much. My mind is kind of like parked there, so I'm gonna get on, <laughs> listeners. Don't 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 stop yet. I'm gonna get on. Um, on this part uh, of the podcast is when I call my propelling point, which is why I have this podcast, because I believe that people can be uh, propel beyond fear, propel, propel beyond your fear so that um, not knowing how to one gets you stuck. So there are three areas that I focus on in those areas um, are the people. I mean, a person. There's a person, there's a process, and then there's pioneering. And so the person, if you could give us words of wisdom, and I actually, I would love it if you can give it from your standpoint of your personal experience and what you saw with your um, with your grandfather and, and now your father being, you know, you've seen a whole almost night and day, if you, if you will, of the process. If you can speak to that in addition to what you've now learned through your research and your profession, what would you give as a word of wisdom to someone who's trying to really assess what it what it means to have a better life yeah. um, and, and how to identify when you may need to step in? Um, so what would you say to that person? That's the person point that I wanted to touch on. So the person point I would reiterate to um, consider the things around you first that you have some control over that you that you can make whether they be small changes or large but very that you have personal autonomy and control over whether it's what you eat what you're doing during the day the things that you're thinking and all of those sort of things I would think about that in terms of caregivers and just reflecting on my own experience I would say to try to obtain as much education information about the resources that you have available you'll find that if you start scratching the surface, if you contact your state organization, your local organization, if you call a senior center, they will, you, you'll unlock something. You, you know, they may not have the exact answer that you need, but just beginning to sort of dig around and get information about the resources that are around you will give you um, the information you need obtain uh, regarding financial, you know, financially, what you might need to save or put away, or what resources are available for you to be able to afford um, help if and when you need it. And then, in terms of uh, recognizing when it may be time to intervene, again, open and honest conversations. I understand that that is very difficult with older people sometimes. Yes, <laughs> I get it. That's why we can't be accusatory, right? We can't say, Are you forgetting stuff, you know, you oh, may with, uh, what yeah. pop had. You may, you know, you can't do that, but you can have conversations about, you know, um, 
that some changes that they may feel as though that they are experiencing because they they are aware they still themselves to you know as they are growing as people are growing older but you want to have open and honest conversations and even if you start to notice things but you feel as though the person is really sort of hesitant you could start to have conversations about well if and when you need some help at home what would you want what do you want that uh, setup to look like what's your ideal setup yes now we're gonna have to do some more work if they say I don't want nobody to help me because people do do that too I don't need I no was help. gonna say you know there's a group <laughs> I'm not gonna need no help what are you talking about ever you gonna leave me alone I've been living yeah. my life and I'm, and you're looking like but we want you to keep living a life yeah, yeah. no but you just <laughs> wow. you just have to I mean I know and I know those conversations are frustrating but I really encourage people to continue whether it's rephrasing it or what have you, I definitely would just, I mean, you don't have to be forceful, but starting to have, even if it's just one thing that you talk about and you say, well, who would you want to help you, um, right. you know, when the time comes, or if, if you needed help. Or even say, around. who do you, you know, because in some families, it may be more of a, well, if you ever need help, who do you want to make sure I never invite? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Some we got to be creative like, and yeah. add the way that we ask, mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. All right, so the next one is a process point. And in the process point, <clears throat> it's just one where if you can give us words of wisdom on um, what does it mean to uh, go through the process of not just aging, but, you know, that that care, what should the process, or not, not should, but what could the process look like as you're going through being a care receiver or the caregiver? What should that, what could the process look like? What's some of your advice on getting through that process? Yeah. I would say to caregivers to find some other caregivers that you can lean on and talk to because depending on what you what um, you're dealing with, be it dementia or some other sort of, especially with the changes in cognition, those can be very overwhelming. Any sort of caregiving can be overwhelming, and it's really important not to go it alone. So even if you are the primary person that's providing care. The resources that I mentioned before, the caregiver specific resources, I would for sure, you know, take a look at that. The National Family Caregiver Support Program to, um, you know, connect with caregivers like yourself or whether it be people that are, it's, sometimes it's hard for families to, to, to talk about caregiving because they're too close to it. But even if it's church, if it's something at a senior center or friends that are providing care, it's really good to be a part of a network um, of folks who are experiencing something similar because it's not easy. It's, you know, there are um, fun times and there are no, there are not fun times. You know, there are funny times. And sometimes we look back now, and we laugh about things that were funny with my grandfather that were dangerous at the time that we were dealing well, with. Well, you just didn't know, right? Like, <laughs> oh. <laughs> so, yeah. So there, it is a difficult, um, you know, assignment to take on, but I would really encourage people to find other folks to, to lean on. Um, and from a care recipient, you know, standpoint, I would also reiterate that aging is inevitable. Um, and, you know, people, and to take advantage, and I know I've said, you know, things that are in your control, but what I didn't mention is that people have done interviews at the end of life with people who are dying, and they ask them, well, you know, about their life, their quality of life, what do you wish you had done, what, do, you know, all those things, and 
all of the stuff I said, you know, diet, exercise, that's, that's important to your health related sort of quality of life, but spending time with your family, um, you know, spending time with your, with, you know, your loved ones, your friends, doing things that you enjoy. Those are the sort of things that you sort of want to be able to set up for, um, and as you grow older across the lifespan that you can take it because those moments you don't get back. So I would, I would encourage people um, that whether you're providing care or you are receiving care to really focus on sort of creating those moments with people that you, you care about while you still earthside. That's uh yeah, that's one of those things. I don't know how you can get it into people who think money is it, you know, money, mm-hmm. money, money. Um, money may answer all things, uh, but money can't answer time. Yeah, it's time never one of the have. things people, it's never, it's very rarely one of the things people bring uh, up when they ask They, they wish they questions. had more time. Yeah, they always say time. I mean, I'm saying more money. Yeah, exactly. They always say time, children. I wish I would have, you know, quit my job earlier or something. They just, they don't really, they don't, they're not talking about money at that point because they know they can't take it with them. So it's- And at yeah. this point, at that point, it doesn't matter. Like, mm-hmm. okay, I got it all. But it's those intangible things that become so tangible for someone else. Right. Wow. All right. So this one, um, this propelling point is the pioneering point. And this one is more of a personal uh, point. I always ask my my guests to speak on. So the pioneer point is when you ask someone, inspire someone to do something different. You know, to be a pioneer is to be somebody that no one else has maybe done it before. But in our case, it may be no one else in your family has ever done right. it. No one in your spirit ever done it. So what would you say, what would be your word of wisdom to give to the listeners of, hey, listen, you've never done X, Y, Z, but try it. What would be your word of wisdom for them, that pioneering point? Uh, get your advanced directives. <laughs> you can do them online for free. You can't help it. She's like, I'm going to tell you to get that in place. I mean, but I mean, I would say that... Um, you really, if you want to say what you want to happen to you when you are unable to communicate that to, to folks. And I would really say that, you know, we reflect now, and I'm sure all of us have situations where something happened to somebody, be it grandma, granddad, mom, dad, whoever, and you had to guess at what sort of care treatment they would have wanted. And I would really just encourage people um, to do that. Do, you know, get your advanced directives together, get all your legal paperwork together, your wills, everything. That, yes. that would be my, that would be my pioneering uh, point. Because somebody in your family has not, I don't care if it's on a sheet of paper right now, yeah. at least get something written. But I would say, you know, to evaluate, you know, do do a self-evaluation of, um, you know, where you are now. Think about where the sort of life that you want to create for yourself as you age. Now, whether or not you you are able to due to health, whatever is different. But then, you know, you start acting accordingly. You know, I, I want to be able to keep up with my kids because my one-year-old is all over the place. I should probably start <laughs> doing a little bit of a little bit more physical activity, right? So I think that, you know, you have to to envision sort of where you want to be and then and then make the changes that you're able to make um 
beat it small or big, but those are the two things that I would say in terms of pioneering points. I, I love that you gave us uh, the knowledge, so, uh, Dr. Uh, Fabius. Yes, I was working on making sure I said it right. Thank you Fabius. so much. You said it Fabius. Wrong. See, <laughs> I didn't put it right until I thought about saying it right. <laughs> That's okay. I added it until I thought about it. Okay, another note, prepare by not overthinking. So that's right. So I want to say thank you so much for coming in. And I mean, just the knowledge that you gave, I know. And then, and I always say too, if I could reach one person, then I'm I'm okay. Uh, This platform is not one to be rich and famous, but really to bring people into knowledge. Knowledge is a powerful thing. Once you understand that someone has done it, or even if no one's ever done it, if, you, if you're if you able to hear something that inspires you to move beyond the fear of how to, uh, that way you're not stuck, then I believe I've done my part. And yeah. if nothing else, uh, I really pray that someone was able to take away the resources that you talked about. And we got to make sure we come out of this place of shame Get rid of these family secrets because you need it as you grow, you know, for the aging process, it, it's needed. You need yep. to understand what happened before so you can know how to move forward and things. And so the caption that I am taking away and I may have to make it a bumper sticker myself that again, <laughs> your genes only make you aware. And so mm-hmm. I, I love that. And so again, thank you so much. Can thank you share you. with us? I know that you had the ability to speak on other platforms or if people wanted to get in contact with you, maybe to even uh, do some research about the studies that you've done or anything as such. I know you've been on a couple other podcasts. Yeah. If they're interested, uh, interested, could you give us how we can contact you, how they can listen and learn even more about uh, about aging and how well you've sure. explained it? Sure. Uh, if you search my name on um, YouTube or uh, Google, any number of my articles or um, my interviews should pop up. Um, also on Twitter, if anybody is on Twitter, I only use Twitter for work. So Twitter is Cheney Fabius. <laughs> Would um, you spell your name? Spell it out um, yes, for our it's, listeners, please. So it's C-H-A-N-E-E, F as in Frank, A, B as in boy. IUS is in Sam. So Cheney Fab- at Cheney Fabius. Um, and then I also recently started a consulting um, LLC, uh, Cheney Fabius Consulting. And it's mainly for research purposes, um, consulting on uh, research studies that are interested in disparities for long-term care, long-term services and supports. But if anyone has questions about where they go to look for services, um, where to start, I'm always happy to point folks in the, the right direction. Uh, is there an email or would they just inbox you at one of the handles on, what's your handle on uh, YouTube? I know you said we can Google your name, but is it yours? Or well, no, on, on YouTube, there's no handle, but um, my okay. email address is my first name. So it's Chaney, C-H-A-N-E-E, my, uh, and then it's dot uh, Darnell, D-A-R-N-E-L-L at gmail.com. Cheney, Dar- Cheney dot Darnell at gmail.com. 
See, and I thought I was going to get the last name wrong. See, so <laughs> we are so, we, but again, we thank you. So again, I want to thank everyone that was listening to this episode of, of Propelling Point Podcast. I pray that you were able to receive something, just one little piece. If nothing else, get your directive in place. Don't just fast forward like, well, this isn't for me because I'm in my 20s, I'm in my 30s, I'm in my 50s. This is for you. I don't care what age you are. Start early to understand those family secrets to help you age to the point where you know it's good. And as always, I want to say thank you for listening. I know that you can listen anywhere to anyone. I thank you for taking this time. I'm going to ask you to subscribe. Make sure that you put your comments and listen in for additional episodes to come. At Propelling Point, you're coming to listen because you have so much potential in you. Now use these Propelling Points and the rich information that was given to you today and excel. Get beyond fear of how to age. Get beyond fear of how to help. Get beyond the fear of how to care for someone that you love and move forward in the things that will keep you moving forward. This is the time for us to move. So propel into your destiny. There's so much greatness in you that you do not have time to be fearful. Thank you so much for joining me and make sure that that you subscribe. Be blessed. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening in today. I'm so thankful that you took the time to listen. I know there are many podcasts out there. So I appreciate you taking the time to listen to mine. So do this for me as well. If you haven't done it already, make sure you subscribe, share, and comment. Yes, I really want your feedback. As I move through this process of becoming a better podcaster, you could never do anything without getting feedback. So I'm asking for yours. Take a moment too and follow me on Instagram under Propelling Point or on Facebook under Dr. Sharon Kelly, or you can even join the Propelling Point Facebook page. I would love to have you there. I give inspirational thoughts, feedback, and we come together for live shows where I get to talk to you and you get to talk to me. And don't forget on Clubhouse. I'm also on Clubhouse as Propelling Point as well. Now that you've listened to this broadcast, I'm going to ask you to do one thing. Propel to your purpose. Now I need you to propel beyond the fear of the how-to so that you can move from conceiving a thing to completing what matters. That's why we're here. So that you can go beyond the fear to complete the thing that you've conceived for years. Now use these tips and points that we gave today to use your influence so that you can create a positive impact that brings about the change that is needed in you and those around you. Have a great day.